pop the top and light the fires. Welcome to Valhalla, my wonderful friends and family. Loaded podcast today. Got some great guests, two great guests on. Got Ryan Shumpert from Rocky Top Insider. Boy's a hell of a writer. And we're going to be talking some SEC basketball tournament, a little baseballs. And we're going to be talking a little bit of free bets with both of our guests. And our second guest we're going to have on is one of my faves, one of my boys, Eric Kane. He is from 991 Sports Animal in Knoxville, host of the Locked On Vols podcast, one of my favorite pods. And he covers for VolQuest. This guy is uh, one of my faves, man, I'm telling you. Uh, two great guests again. Ryan Shumper, Eric Kane today. Man, this time of the year is one of my favorites. Especially now, no offense to the MLB, but college baseball is getting a little shine right now. Baseballs are doing wonderful things. Tony Vitello has got this young pitching staff turning and burning. It looks great. It's fun to watch. More characters that come along in this Tennessee baseball team. If you loved last year's team, you're going to love this year's team too. Basketball is in full force. We know what this team is up against. This is going to be one heck of an SEC tournament. I asked the boys a question, so hang tight for their answers. If you had a $50 free bet, I'm going to lay out the odds later on in the show with both of them. Who are you taking? Doesn't have to be Tennessee, even though I do like the plus 330 odds they do have. But uh, you'll be intrigued by their answers because it's all about value, my friends. It's all about value when it comes to that free $50 bet. So you can be a little bit extra gambler, if you know what I'm saying. So, like the odds, Tennessee's got a pretty good favorable matchup. There's some things that you worry about. You know, the free throw shooting wasn't fantastic against Arkansas. There's a lot of things that Rick even said in his press conference today, recording this again on Wednesday, March the 9th. So he talked about uh, things that they can't do, and a lot of it derived from things they did against Arkansas in the second half. So hopefully Tennessee continues to work on that. There's going to be some, you know, you just got to be more clutch down the down the, down the stretch. Got to be a little bit tougher mentally, and um, just got to lock in on defense even more so. Because there's gonna be a lot of press in this uh, this next this next weekend down in Tampa. Looking forward to it. So much to look forward to this week. Uh, man, tournament time. UTC mocks right here in Chattanooga. Went up to Asheville, I should say. I guess not right here in Chattanooga. You know, got to go up to Asheville. Anyways, buzzer beater already happened to send the UTC mocks that way. We've got tournament games all day, today and Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, punching tickets, selection Sunday is going to be huge. Vols could really push themselves into a three seed. The two seed is what intrigues me. Because if you win, I think the committee is going to look at like either because this is going to be play, this is going to be before uh, the game is played against Mississippi State and South Carolina. The, the, the committee is going to be looking at that is an okay win, neutral side game. So it'll be like a quad two win, probably maybe three, depending on who plays. Um, 
I think that if you beat Kentucky and then let's say it's Auburn in the championship on neutral site courts, you almost have to give them the two seed because number one, I just don't think it's in the cards. There's they like too many people. You guys know how that goes. That committee loves certain certain teams. And I just don't know if Tennessee's that one they're going to slide up to the one. They, they'd still make a case if Auburn made it the championship to give them the one seed, I think, even though they lost Tennessee twice. And I guess in, that, in this scenario, it wouldn't blow my mind if they still gave it to Auburn because of Jabari and Walker Kessler. And they do have a really great resume, don't get me wrong, but I just don't see them moving Tennessee all the way up to a one. But it'd be tough. But the two seeds are very possible if they get to the championship. I think that's still you get to the championship and you play close in that game. There's a shot at two seed. There's a good shot. Should be. Should be a two seed, but you know, it's up in the air, man. Depends on how everybody else plays. You're still gonna have to get through some some tough teams. And we all know this seems to be the Kentucky invitational in a lot of ways. So why people look at it, you know, they've won like 43 SEC championship games. Yeah. So it's like, um, get them out of here or whatever. It's some crazy. No, I don't know why I said 43, but yeah, some crazy like that. So it wouldn't be surprised if Kentucky fully healthy does run the table again. I, I do think personally that Kentucky's probably the best overall team when healthy. Um, clearly we know what Auburn can do because they have the best player in the country. Of what? Again, I've reiterated this again. Chet Holmgren's really good. I think he's good. Uh, I like Paolo Ranchero, Banchero, but I watched Jabari and I'm like, damn, this guy can play. This guy can flat out play in all aspects pretty much of the game. So that guy's me probably going to the Oklahoma City Thunder or the Detroit Pistons next year. So you know, I, I look that uh, if you look at this selection Sunday, it's going to be very interesting to see how things go. Even if Tennessee, if they win the next game, which you hope then you assume they would against either matchup, South Carolina or Mississippi State, because I think they match up well with either team, um, especially South Carolina, in my opinion. I think both those games were pretty bad beatdowns and, you know, sized the, the, the defense against them. You know, really, really something South Carolina couldn't handle, especially with the the guard pressure that Tennessee puts on. It just doesn't really work for them. And that's okay, you know, because I do hope that's a better matchup. But in that scenario, it's hard to be somebody three times in one season. So you don't want to just overlook anything. And uh, Ryan and I get into more in-depth conversation, but also Kane and I go over what he thinks about what the run's going to be like in the SEC tournament and the path that he, they're going to have to go down to uh, to make a big run. But very exciting times. Happy March Madness, everybody. And uh, let's get to these guests, baby. Got some good. Ryan Schumper, what's up, buddy? Not much. How are we doing? I'm good, my friend. I'm good. Oh, man, I appreciate you coming on today, dude. 
For sure. Yeah. Happy to get on here, talk a little basketball, talk a little baseball. Best uh, best time of the year when we get SEC play about to get going in baseball and then obviously can't beat Marsh Madness. Oh, of course not, dude. This is one of my favorite months, like no doubt. I mean, I, I'm a big football guy, but also, let's be honest, college basketball, a little dabble of college baseball getting the primetime spot right now. Yeah. So pretty sweet. Uh, again, this is Ryan Shumpert. Uh, give me your accolades, dude. Give me everything you got for uh, where you where you at, what you do. Yeah, so I work for RockyTopInsider.com, Tennessee beat writer, cover football, basketball, baseball, a little bit of Lady Vols, so really just about everything uh, on campus. I'm a senior at UT. I'm coming to you from the student union right now, so hopefully <laughs> hopefully, no one walks behind me. Uh, I had to move things around a little bit to get the lighting better, so I uh, uh, it made a little interesting uh, position for me to record this in here. Hopefully, Hopefully no one takes offense to it. Nah, dude, they don't care. You'll be good. Man, I appreciate you coming on, dude, because I know you've uh, – dude, you work hard. I, I mean, just that's why I wanted you to give you all your accolades. I know you do multiple things. I uh, read a lot of your articles on, on Rocky Top Insider, dude. We uh, To get in, like the reason I wanted you to come on is, hey, we got our mutual friend Greg Larnard. You know, we both hop on that show yes, here at three here in Chattanooga, ESPN Radio. Um, but I was reading your starting five on the postseason basketball. Uh, let's get a little – intro softball question here what do you think overall in the regular season did you think it was a success was it a did you think it was a little too home-based or did you like everything all around no I, I definitely think it was a success overall and up there with I think Barnes second second best year at Tennessee that first year with Grant and Admiral 2017-18 season I think pretty similar to that from a success standpoint and I mean you mentioned it that's a question I think a big question is the lack of success away uh, from Thompson Bowling Arena, but some of that just goes with the schedule. Tennessee started playing a lot better, really, and kind of started turning around in mid-January. February's kind of felt like where they hit their stride. And at Granite, they just didn't really play. Arkansas was the only team in the month of February that they had a chance to get a, a good road win. Mm-hmm. And I think once you kind of Tennessee figured out some things about going four guards, how effective that lineup could be, how effective it is to play Chandler, Ziegler, and Vescovy at the same time, I think that's when Tennessee took off. And for them to do that, that happened mostly in February. Olivier Campbell's injury, I think, kind of sped that up a little bit, forcing Tennessee to do that more. So I think it's a good good regular season for sure. Can't ask for, for too much more. And in the game, you kind of go back and look at, at least for me, to kind of, if I'm Tennessee, haunts you that Alabama game. So you had a great chance to win that one right at the start of SEC play. You do that, you would have won a share of the title. But obviously without Chandler and Fulkerson in that game, and I don't think you can beat yourself up too much for that loss. So a good regular season. and. Questions going into the postseason, kind of like you said, but I think this is a Tennessee team that it has built to play in March. One hundred percent. And that Alabama game, weirdly enough, my girlfriend, not a huge basketball person, but I mean, like the rest of the fan base, everybody kind of fell in love with Ziegler. I mean, and that was a game you kind of saw the grit, you know, like really pushing them down to the to the end, and really had a good bleed in the first half, and. You know, without like you said, without Kennedy and without John, it just kind of hurt the the flow a little bit. And uh, you know, that kind of weirdly a lot that loss was kind of nice in a different aspect from a team because I think it kind of gave some other guys some confidence of, hey, you know what, we're pretty daggum good right now. But it does come back to haunt you because you probably would have gotten a regular season championship. You know, who knows? But you know, it's nice to look back and be like, well, we would have, but. Hey, that built some confidence, and I think that really was a spot for that team that they fell in love with Ziegler. But you mentioned that three-guard lineup. What do you think has been so successful with those three playing, especially like in closing minutes, despite Kennedy's you know tough free-throw struggles here towards the end? Yeah, I mean, I think it 
starts when all three of them can handle the ball. Vescovy's gotten so much better this year, I think, just by being able to play off ball. He doesn't have to create that action. I mean, the last two years, Keon and Jaden could do it a little bit last year, but Tennessee didn't really have someone that could get into the paint and create for other people, and a lot of that pressure was put on Vescovy. And this year was you knew what was going to happen with Chandler. He was going to have less pressure. And the way Ziegler's come on, he hasn't even really had to be the backup point guard. I think in that Arkansas game, there was a couple of possessions where Vescovy was on the floor without either one of them. But that's one of the few times we've seen that all year. And uh, I knew going into the year, Vescovy would probably be better playing off the ball, and he would get to do that more. I didn't think he'd get to do that as much as he has. And that's where Ziegler's emergence has come on so well. And both those guys, Chandler and Ziegler, can break down a defense so well with their speed. Chandler's a really good passer. I think that's another area Ziegler has to grow. And then obviously we know how Vescovy can shoot the ball. Both Chandler and Ziegler shot over 35% from deep in SEC play, made defenses guard them. And, you know, that was the big issue we saw with Tennessee's offense last year. They didn't have the consistent front court scoring that we thought they might with Fulkerson and Pons and then Springer, Johnson. They didn't space the floor. Teams just hacked the paint against Tennessee. And the way those two point guards have made people respect the three-point shot has really opened up driving lanes for those guys. And We've seen Josiah James come on and be really good in the four and be a much better shooter in SEC play, too. And it's just made Tennessee's offense really a lot more efficient and a lot more effective. Yeah, 100%. That's a perfect segue because I did want to ask in the article I was reading, the starting five on the postseason career for basketball, you did mention Josiah Jordan James. And what can you want to touch on that and then what you have in the article? What do you think that they really need from him the rest of the way? I think it's. Well, I need a lot of things from him, but what I talk about in the <laughs> yeah. article is the offense because you feel pretty confident you're going to get the defense. You feel pretty confident every time out you're going to get the rebounding. That stuff is there four games out of five, if not more than that. I mean, he's, he's always locked in on that. And that, I think, is another thing off topic a little bit. But Tennessee's rebounding this year has been much, much better than it's been the past few years. And I think when you've seen Tennessee shoot more threes, I think that's the reason that strategy has been more effective. They've been a much better offensive rebounding team. And James' ability to play to four – and Tennessee not to have a huge drop-off from rebounding has been a big reason for their success. But it, the offense is where he's next factor. I had the stat and the story. I'm not exactly sure what number it is. It's something like 8-0, 10-0 on the season uh, when he's 8-0, when, when James scores in double digits. And you know, when his offense is there, Tennessee's offense is just so much better because we've talked about the front court issues, or I've written about it at least at length. And – there's not a whole lot of consistency scoring there. You saw Arkansas. They said, we'll, we'll let your big men play 2v1 against us in that second half. And Tennessee couldn't capitalize. So they need Josiah at the four to be an offensive threat. Earlier in the year, he wasn't that. I think that's the reason you saw a lot of Tennessee's struggles. The three-point shot has been much more consistent. And you, at least you expected that to, to get better. You didn't think he was a 20% three-point shooter the whole year. He's had a couple stretches where he was great for eight, 10 games, shooting over 40%. It's evened out a little bit, but I think an SEC play right around 35%, what 34%, what you're looking for from him. And he's also more this year than any other year because he's kind of in the past been a guy that if he's not hitting open threes or scoring in transition, he's not scoring. I think he's got more comfort with that mid-range jumper this year, and you've seen him use that really effectively in a handful of games. And I think that's a, a for a Tennessee offense that struggles to score inside the three-point line, I think that's a, a trait for James that could be really beneficial for Tennessee come tournament time. 100% because he made a really nice looking shot because he does kind of get shot away whenever, you know, he's not hitting and he does settle for three a lot. And you're like, dude, you are what he came in as is this kind of a triple threat aspect. You know, he could, he was supposed to be able to do a lot. The reason he was a five star was the, the NBA size. Like he really does have the frame. He's got the body, the, the athleticism. And like you've talked about at, at length, that defensive, like his one-on-one ability. I know Jabari got 25 in that Auburn, in that Auburn game at home. 
but that was a tough 25. And that's the first time I've seen somebody really handle him, got at him physically. And, you know, you take away a tough four point play, it knocks it down a little bit, but Josiah, man, like that pull up jumper he hit against Arkansas. I mean, I know we were reeling, but that was a nice pull up jumper. And that's an aspect of nowadays game. It's, not as prevalent, but he's somebody that's a good shot for him. That's a good, oh, I'm in rhythm. I'm going to do this. I'm going to step up. So I'm very, very excited to see him. If he can really push that pace, this, you know, especially during the SEC tournament because we're going to need him a lot. Um, and to go into that, how are you feeling about this Tennessee path in the SEC tournament? Well, I think it's, it's two-sided because I think Tennessee got as good a draw as anybody uh, with the Friday game, getting the winner of South Carolina and Mississippi State. Two teams I think Tennessee matches up well with, two teams that uh, won't have anything to play for Mississippi State. Too far from the bubble, I think it would take an SEC title for them to make the tournament. So you don't have to deal with that with A&M or Florida. Uh, if Auburn would have lost and Tennessee got a share at SEC, obviously that would have been a huge win for Tennessee, but that would have been a downside. You would have been playing on Friday night too. I think two teams better than both South Carolina and Mississippi State. And two teams that, while well, they have a lot, of, well, a lot of work to do in Tampa to make the tournament, it's not out of the question yet. So I think in that sense, Friday night, you have to feel really good about Tennessee's chances to reach the semifinal for, I guess, what would be the fourth straight uh, SEC tournament. But I think Kentucky's the best team in the league. And to me, it's the two tiers at the top of the league. It's Kentucky in a tier above their own. I think they're good enough to win the national title. And I think Auburn, Tennessee, and Arkansas are teams that, you know, I think we'll probably have a great chance to make it the second weekend, could make it to the Final Four if things go right, but I don't think have the talent to win a title. I think those teams are, are right in the next group, and I think Kentucky uh, having to play them in the semifinal is worse than playing Auburn, is worse than playing Arkansas. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to be most likely, no matter where you were seated, you're going to have to beat Kentucky to win a title. Tennessee will have to do that on Saturday. And I think the one downside, and maybe this is just recency bias, you go back and look at that 2019 tournament run where Tennessee played Kentucky in semifinal and an epic epic game that took everything out of Tennessee and Tennessee granted Tennessee has more depth on this team than they had on that team but you could tell they were worn out and tired when they got to Auburn the next day and it didn't give them a great chance to win in the title that's the one thing that I could say the real downside of it is but at the end of the day to be the best you got to beat the best and Kentucky's probably going to be in standing in Tennessee's way at some point it's just going to happen to be the semifinal yeah that is always one of those things that you hear it's you know the Kentucky Invitational it's like I hate that so much I hate that so much uh so I'm going to ask you, I don't know if you're a betting man, but say you had a $50 free bet to win the SEC. And I'm going to give you some odds here. So okay. Kentucky, Kentucky's at plus 190, Auburn at plus 260, Tennessee at plus 330, Arkansas at plus 750, LSU plus 1,000, Alabama plus 1,500, and everybody else is plus 4,000 or above, starting with Florida and Mississippi State. You have a $50 free bet. Yeah, the, the free bet part of it makes it a little interesting because you can go with a little bit of the safer play. I'll still be in. I'll go Arkansas. I think value for your money there. Uh, I think they're the fourth best team in the SEC. I think they're worse than Tennessee. But from an odd standpoint, I don't think they should be that much worse than Tennessee. And, and I do think they match up pretty well with Auburn. Obviously, we see that, we've seen them beat Auburn and Kentucky. That was both at home. Arkansas has a similar situation with Tennessee where they don't have a ton of great road wins but i think from a value standpoint that, that arkansas is your best bet there okay well good that's what i was wondering i didn't know what you thought uh anybody outside of the top four that you think could make a sneaky run 
Not really, to be honest with you. I mean, Alabama's a team the state has the potential, but I don't think they play the defense. I don't think they had the rebounding. And I don't think that they don't have the shooting consistency. I mean, maybe they get hot for four straight games, but to me, that's unlikely. This this team has not shot the three-point or nearly as well as last year's had. And top of the defense, not even being in the same stratosphere, LSU has too many defensive weaknesses. And look, that Auburn team a few years ago to beat Tennessee is the only team since the SEC expanded to, to 14 teams. and they started the, the double buy back in what I guess would have been 2013, the 2013 yeah. tournament. That's the only team that's not had the double buy at this one tournament. So it's a it's a really really tall task to go do that, winning four straight games on four straight days. And I don't think any of those teams this year have it in their makeup to to do it or, or really make a deep run. I think that top four in the SEC truly is the, the best four, and there's a pretty decent gap after that. Oh yeah, that's this is the biggest discrepancy I've seen in a while because, like you said, even at Arkansas, you're like. That team, like that's they're relatively high odds even to win a national championship comparatively to like you know your next fourth best team in the conference. So I don't know, man. Those guys are pretty good, and like you said, Alabama and LSU just so inconsistent. It just doesn't look good. Um, do you want to move on to some baseball? Uh, you know, you've been covering this pretty well, and I've loved watching your stuff. But last night got cut off seven uh, seven um so far what did you what do you think about the weekend I mean I know Texas feels like they might be a little bit above everybody but um even through the Texas game what did you like what did you dislike so far with pitching and hitting and everything else going on yeah well I think the the two big things is the starting pitching chase burns Dolander, even though he didn't have a great outing uh, against Baylor on Saturday and drew beam who to me has probably been the surprise of the season so far all three of those guys seem like the real deal. And especially when you look at Burns and Dolan there and stuff that they have, those are, from a talent standpoint, Friday night SEC guys. I mean, Chad Dallas was a really good, effective pitcher for Tennessee. Garrett mm-hmm. Stallings was back in 2019. So I don't mean that to discredit them. They were effective. They won a lot of Friday night starts for Tennessee. But when you think of SEC high-end, best of SEC Friday night starters, those guys didn't have that level of stuff. Both Burns and Dolander, they had that level of stuff. And for Burns to... In his first test of, of big-time college baseball against the number one team in the country to pitch as well as he did, it was really, really impressive. And I know that he exited that game in a 1-1 tie, but I really thought Tennessee outplayed Texas for the first five innings of that game. And then it was once it got into the bullpen when Texas really took control. So both of those guys, especially Burns, the maturity, the poise that he's had as a freshman. Tony Vitello has talked about that a lot. He's just He's just not really a normal freshman. And he said the same thing about Drew Beam, too, from a mentality standpoint. So I think that stands out. And in the lineup, when you go from a year like last year where Carlos Avaloni was injured a little bit, Liam Spence was injured a little bit, but you knew one through nine who was going to be in the lineup every mm-hmm. single day. And for the most part, I mean, there was a little bit of tinkering, but the most part you knew who was going to hit where every single day. Tony Vitello is going to have a lot of work every single day to fill out that lineup card. I mean, they're, they started, I think, 12 guys in Texas. Their backup catcher, Charlie Taylor, was banged up. He easily could have gotten – uh, start at that you know if you what that wasn't the case if he was healthy that could have been another player so a lot of depth a ton of opportunities guys that can move around and play different spots so Logan Chambers can play outfield infield Seth Stevenson the same way most of those guys fr- from second to third can play a number of positions in the infield and heck even at first base where you have a six-year start or six-year senior a starter and Luke Lipsius return we've seen Blake Burke come in as a freshman really forced Vitello to give him in bats and, and he's made the most of them and it's really deep I don't know, you know, it's a short sample size of what we've seen against uh, high-level pitching, but certainly uh, once they got past that Texas game, the bats were great in Houston last weekend, and I think they're going to be not as big as a drop-off in SEC play as maybe I expected going into the season. 
Yeah, that's what I was kind of wondering was, what did you think? Like, did you kind of expect this rise or did you not? I mean, because that was some big shoes to fill last year. Like you said, you felt like every at bat, you're like, dude, this, who knows where this was going to go, especially inside Lindsey Nelson. Let's be honest. It's a big hitter friendly ballpark. And yeah. we can, we, it showed a little bit in Omaha. Uh, Greg and I got to go out there. Let's be honest. It was a little tough outing, but I, the, this pitching staff, especially these young guys, I mean, you know, you go both the chases and like you said, Drew Beam, what a what a big improvement on Sunday. And, uh, you know, let's be honest. I don't know how if you thought uh, Kirby Connell's stash and the mullet and the whole flow, I don't know if that was a big change on Saturday that kind of sparked the rest of the weekend for a pretty dominant run after that 4-4 start, 4-0 start. That's a good point. I mean, he – I don't even know who – who it was a fan of. I think it was a, a pitching ninja retweeted it. It was like a quote tweet of his thing and about it. And it was like when you when you gotta retire the side at four and, and tie a damsel in distress to the train tracks at, at six. And I that I mean that mustache is legitimately like a, a evil cartoon mustache at this point. I mean it, it's remarkable. And yeah, I mean I think the depth standpoint, they have a lot more arms this year than they did last year. I thought all season last year, to me that was the biggest weakness or the biggest question mark of the team is they just didn't have a bunch of guys in the bullpen they could rely on. And I think to a degree, you saw that hurt them when they got to Omaha. Sean Hundley, Camden Sewell had been packed so much that mm-hmm. you don't know for sure that that's the reason that they weren't effective, but you you have to think it at least played some part. And I think Tennessee is going to have much better depth this year. I think it is still an ongoing process of figuring out which of those guys can be consistent. But to me, they have much more guys in the bullpen. A lot of younger guys. Xander Seacrest has been starting midweek games. has been really impressive. I, to me, I think he's going to push his way into, into a bullpen spot and in, in weekend play. So. It's a, it's a lot of figuring out there kind of with the lineup, but I do think the pitching depth is another area. Besides, I think the top-end talent, the, the pitching staff's probably taking a step up. It, it's Frank Anderson's great, and it's it's kind of remarkable how they, they've been able to, year after year, continually improve a, a pitching staff that has been really good basically since Vitello's second season. Yeah, 100%. This, this fan base has kind of fallen in love with this team, especially after last year. Let's be honest, it kind of rolls and it you know, flows and – Snow, a great version of a snowball effect here, and man, I'm I'm excited to get back, dude. I appreciate you coming on, my friend. Uh, once again, let them know where you can, they can find you, what they can do for you. Yeah, for sure. So find me on Twitter at rshump00. That's R S C H U M P zero zero, and then all my stuff on RockyTopInsider.com, and, and give us a follow on Twitter too at RockyTopInsider. Thanks, my dude. I appreciate it, Ryan Shumper, everybody, my man. Eric Kane, how's it going, my friend? Hey, it's going well, man. Glad, glad to be back here. Glad to have you, my friend. Glad to have you. Well, this is Eric Kane from uh, Locked On Vols podcast, one of my favorite places to listen to all things Tennessee Vols. He's a writer. He's a cover for football for 99.1, the, the sports animal. You do a lot, my friend. How's it? How's uh, how's everything treating you in life? It's good, dude. It's, uh, it's a fun time. Um, little little taste of crossover season with baseball starting. Basketball is getting into tournament action. Um, you have football that's about to start spring practice. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's still staying busy for sure. 100%. Well, speaking of a little football, I know that this week was a little, I don't know. How did you feel? Do you think it's a sad time or just like a, or how do you feel about the orange and white game getting, I guess, canceled in a different aspect? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's important for fans. So from that, you know, from that standpoint, I'm a little upset about it. But 
from a Tennessee perspective, from a coaching perspective, I mean, you can care less about the orange and white game, man. It's, yeah. I, I honestly feel like it's, um, from a coach's standpoint, it's almost like a wasted practice. You only get 15 of them. Um, <clears throat> but I, I think the administration's doing uh, the best of a bad situation, trying to make it an all ball weekend. And, you know, it's, I mean, there's tennis on campus, there's drag, there's baseball, which is good, but, mm-hmm. uh, putting up, putting up those two, uh, big old screens in the ball village and food trucks and everything and letting, letting fans come in and watch that. that. That's, that's better than nothing, right? It's just simply, I mean, there's, there, there was no alternative. I know Chattanooga, they were looking around down there and it wasn't, an, you know, what, what, uh, anything you can do about it there. Nashville yeah. wasn't, was out of the question. And, you know, inside, uh, Neyland Stadium right now, it's there's no chance of a football game happening in there right now. No, what I heard those renovations are going to be pretty nice though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Did they have do they have the video cam up? I know they're talking about like they want to do like a 24 hour cam for like these renovations because fans are kind of that way. <laughs> I haven't seen a 24-7 video cam, but I've seen <laughs> weekly updated pictures. And um, Okay. Yeah. That, that I mean that's that's good enough for me. I'm not the guy that's gonna sit at my sit at my computer and watch what's going on, but I know there would be some people that would do that. So one hundred percent. We know these <laughs> these people love all things Tennessee. And you know, if you you know if you're retired and got nothing else to do, I'm sure there's no. some guy out there in middle or east Tennessee that's gonna be loving that. So well I know you talked about uh and Chad Simmons reported this week that Nico five star, can you give me a great pronunciation of his last name? Five star Okay. Okay. Let's see here. I, uh, you know, me, uh, I referred to him as the Cali kid, uh, before he started kind of blowing up and Tennessee became a real factor. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. That's beautiful. Even I have to make a pronunciation guide and have it on the 24 seven. I heard it the other day and I was like, that's pretty good because I didn't know if the V was in that or if it was, you know, how that was working. But the Cali kid is, Looking like it's good for Tennessee. Where do you think he actually lands on the radar? Or is that just kind of like a maybe? Well, right now I'd say it's a maybe at best. Um, you know, t- Tennessee's in it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but he's taking his, you know, swing through the Southeastern Conference, essentially. Um, he's going to, you know, have two to three more unofficial visits uh, that look like official visits, essentially. And, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of see, you know, which which school best fits him now. The, the, the variable in this whole ordeal is Arch Manning. You know, if Arch Manning lands at either Georgia or Alabama, you know, that that team's not going to take Nico, right? So yep. uh, I think uh, a number of, you know, recruiting services and crystal balls and all that type of situation as Tennessee is maybe the second best odds right now. And that's, I'm going to be honest with you, that's probably, you know, just because he just came off a, a visit here, though. Um, Oregon's mm-hmm. going to be the favorite. Um, I think it's gonna be tough to get him off the West coast. And if he stays out there, I think he's going to Oregon, but, uh, Tennessee's definitely in this. I think he, uh, likes Tennessee fans. I think he likes the coaches. Um, this was his second time down here and, um, the whole family was able to come this time, which I think was very important to him. So no, we'll uh-huh. see. Um, I don't think he's going to do anything anytime soon, but, uh, this will be a late spring, maybe early summer commitment somewhere. Um, and Tennessee's in it for sure. So, uh, this will be one to watch you know, going down over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Cause that's one of those things is like these quarterbacks, it's always going to be, there's going to be an eye on Tennessee now, which is kind of strange. It feels like, you know, especially having this offense. And I, I wanted to ask you, I mean, you know, we got picked up, uh, Wesley Walker this week and a couple others. I mean, how have you felt so far 
in Josh Apple's recruiting because that kind of was a knock on him was like, you know, it's just like get people in the get people in the scheme. You don't really have to recruit as hard, but welcome to the SEC, you have to do it. Yeah, you got to do it. Um, and if you don't, you're you're going to be left way behind. Uh, you can't make comments like Dan Mullen did saying we'll focus on recruiting when it's time to recruit. Can't do that. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, for the class of 2022, he finished way better than I thought he would. Um, depending on the service you look at, I mean, he finished, you know, four, five, six, five, six, seven in the SEC or, you know, anywhere from 11 to 16 in the country. Uh, that's solid considering, you know, when you got here this time last year, a little bit before this time last year, and you were so far behind in, in making relationships and connections. Um, so I think year one is, is, it was a, was a, you know, pleasant surprise. Now he finished well, he closed well, got three big additions on signing day. And that's why it propelled them up to where they were. Um, you got to continue to move up in the sec. Uh, you, you got to finish in my opinion, four top four every single year. Um, because if you're finishing top four in the sec, you're likely finishing, you know, top 10 in the country. So, uh, proof will be in the pudding. We'll see off to a, a good start, but, uh, you know, that's going to be one area where we, we just, we just don't know simply until we get a couple year uh, sample size. Now, in terms of the transfer portal, I will say this: and during that first window in January, early February, uh, there weren't many spots open uh, via the scholarships. More spots will open up in the summer, and Tennessee can bring in more. So Tennessee wasn't just bringing players in to bring players in like last year. Uh, Tennessee swung hard at two players uh, and and missed, and, and that's unfortunate. Isaiah Nair would would have changed, would have helped elevate this offense for sure. Uh, Jared Verse would have been a great addition on the edge on defense. Swung and missed. You know, what do you do? Uh, but uh, we'll see who Tennessee brings in uh, later in the summer. And Tennessee's already brought, you mentioned uh, Walker there. Tennessee's already added two more. And, th- you know, that that should be contributors right away for the volunteers. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was wondering how that was going to go. I didn't know if you, how you felt about Wesley Walker. Is that's going to be somebody that's going to fill a void for, you know, Alante and Theo and all these guys that we we're, we're I mean, he's not going to be, he's not going to be an all American, but uh, he's, if you look at his stats, watch some of his tape. I mean, he was solid at Georgia Tech. Um, mm-hmm. Former four star guy, right? Yeah, yeah. I just I like, you know, from the mid state Ensworth. I like that um he's not afraid to, you know, stick his nose in anything and, and, and get a part of the action. So uh we'll see how he runs. Um Tennessee will will try him out at, at the star position right away because that's what he played at Georgia Tech. Um but if you have a if you know, he gets Tennessee options, right? Say say Wesley Walker comes in and sticks at that nickelback spot. Well now, you know, Danico Slaughter can maybe play some safety. Tennessee needs a lot of help at safety, right? They're slow at safety. Brandon mm-hmm. Turnish can focus on cornerback. Kamal Haddon can focus on cornerback. No, we'll see. It's another option. I don't know if anything's fixed right now, but it certainly gives Tennessee another option. Yeah, because we need all the help we can get, especially depth-wise. I always think that was kind of our Achilles heel in some ways. There just got there were just times, especially on defense, man. You're just going to get gassed when the system, you know, you get a three and out or something like that in this offense. It hurts the defense in a different factor. So depth is everything. That's kind of what we harped on last year was, you know, hey, this defense, I don't know if there's ever – I mean, you would have to have just a collective powerhouse of studs all around for this kind of, for this defense with this offense to be some sort of, you know, ownership of the SEC and defense-wise. I just don't think that's going to happen. It's just hard with the system you're in. But mm-hmm. with some depth, it always helps. It always helps. Um, also – I was going to ask you just to touch on some of the NFL combine you talked about with some runs. 
Do you think uh, any of the boys helped themselves or even like hurt themselves last week or maybe just kind of stayed neutral? I mean, I know you're not looking at a 40 time with Cade Mays, but, you know, it helps. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, I, I don't think any of them hurt themselves. Uh, you know, Cade interviewed well. Um, mm-hmm. His versatility, I think, is going to be a big factor. So I think he did fine. Uh, Matthew Butler, you know, he, I mean, Matthew Butler just strikes me as a coach and, you know, 10 years, uh, he's got the coach speak down pat. <laughs> yeah. He did um, a good job in the well. interview with you. Yeah. 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 And, um, uh, his, his daughter didn't like him doing the interview with me, but he did a good job, <laughs> uh, but no, he, he ran well. I think he had like the, the fifth or sixth fastest defensive, uh, defensive lineman time, which I thought was cool. Uh, you knew that Alante was going to run well and he had a good showing in mobile. Um, Valus, man, I think Valus really, really helped himself out. I think he's continued to help himself out because, and like I've explained a couple of times on the show and on the radio and everything, I, I view, I still view to this day, Valus as a returner, you know, mm-hmm. returner one, and let's see what he can do at wide receiver. I mean, here in 2021, he changed the narrative. He was, he was a stud out there, right? Yeah, but I still think everybody else views him as a returner as well. So seeing what he did in this hypo offense. I think it's it's pushed him up the boards a little bit. I think his week in Mobile, being able to see him run routes up close and 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 you know he led his team in receptions, led all receivers uh, in in yards in the Senior Bowl, which I thought was big. Um, yeah. So it doesn't help that you you run one of the fastest times in, in combine history at the time, right? So yeah, I think Valus is a guy that that helped himself out a lot. Yeah, because he's always been one of those with with the ball. I mean, he's been mm-hmm. fantastic from the start, and that's what it is. Is you know, people have kind of knocked on his route running and, you know, I guess wide receiver essentials in some packages, and especially in the NFL. But with the ball, and as you explained, he really helped himself. His speed, and I mean, he's just pure burst and athleticism is going to take him somewhere. He's a, like, he's got a running back's body. But he's yeah. But he but he plays wide receiver. He returns kicks. It's it's very unique. My my thing with Valus though, and I, I mean he's not going to be selected in the first round. So I don't believe this will play. You know he's not going to be a first or a second round pick. So I don't think this is going to be a huge factor. He's old man. I mean he was a six year college guy. He's twenty five years old. Yeah. Um, I bet that's something that might work against him a little bit. But again, I predict him being. Uh, gosh, I mean I'd be I'd be shocked if he was a third round guy. I'd say fourth, fifth, somewhere right in there. So that shouldn't be that big of a deal yeah where have you seen butler going because i know he was looking to be a little bit higher i believe oh uh, you know somewhere around there i i think really tennessee's you know four guys there i mean i, I think that it would be a stretch right now things could change uh plus they got mm-hmm. a pro day coming up so they can really help themselves out some more very true I, I i don't see any of them being day two right now um okay maybe late day two potential but right now i see them all being kind of jumbled up if you will from you know right at the beginning of day three and then you know matthew butler maybe being the last one theo jackson being an undrafted free agent type deal i think that gosh it's confusing like like i could see Cade being selected first i could see alante being selected first and honestly now i could see Valus being selected first i think those three are right around the, the, you know the same with each other maybe late day three but likely early uh late day two probably early day three right now Okay, that's cool. Because I was wondering, like, you don't want to like make the comparison, but with people like, um, you know these these little kind of tool players, like Valus could be that guy just to get him the ball in space. Mm-hmm. Uh, could be a guy that you know you could get a couple of swing routes, you know, different things, especially the paces of the NFL. 
I mean, you know, there's always use for him. So I, I do think that I'm with you. I think there could be some sort of deal where, you know, he's not Percy Harvin of old, but, you know, he has potential to do a lot of things. And, you know, special teams is critical if you watch mm-hmm. any of the Packers game there at the end. So big time. But uh, I do want to ask you, it's SEC tournament week. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you feel about the Vols uh, path to the championship, if you will? How do you feel about it? Yeah, so likely, you know, going to be playing the winner of Mississippi State, South Carolina. Everybody's just assuming South Carolina's get the get going to get there. Yeah, they've had a nice little second half of the season. I like, I like the team with the best player on the court. That's Molinar, Mississippi State. So that's who I think Tennessee is going to play. Uh, so that's no give me. Then you go to Saturday. You got to get by Kentucky, right? It's always going to mm-hmm. be a challenge. Get through Kentucky, then you take on Auburn. I'd rather play Auburn again before you play Kentucky. And, Maybe I shouldn't be discrediting Arkansas because Arkansas has already beaten Auburn one time this year on the other side of the bracket. It just comes down to the Big Four. We talked about the Big Four in the SEC all season long. It's it's been fun, man. Um, but you know, it's it's tournament time. You can't take anything for granted. I would expect Mississippi State and or South Carolina to give Tennessee an absolute dogfight uh, yeah. on Friday night, and so it's not going to be a given. But uh, that Kentucky game, round three. How many times have we seen this? You play Kentucky twice. You see them in the SEC tournament semifinals, and my fear is you go back to like 2018, whatever, whatever the year uh, Tennessee lost to, to Auburn and Auburn on that final four yeah. run. My fear is you have such an emotional and, you know, you know, win on Saturday that just takes everything out of you to beat Kentucky. And then you just get run off the court on Sunday because that's happened before. But uh, Tennessee's evolved, man. Um, <laughs> I know you listen to the show and I <laughs> I yeah. made the comment a couple of times back in January. I'm like, God, this team's brutal to watch. <laughs> it's, it's so crazy because I we, we talk about this. All, all my friend groups, it's like, I can't believe this is such a frustrating group. But yeah. here we are. Like, here we are. And we're, you know, the championship odds, like especially betting, aren't that bad. You no, know? They really aren't. And, and, and credit Tennessee because, again, they it it has evolved. You've you got you know exactly what you're going to get out of Santiago Vescovi. You pretty much know exactly you know the bare minimum of what you're going to get out of Kennedy Chandler. Then he'll blow up. Um, if Josiah Jordan James is shooting well that day, I mean he's he's getting you four, a twelve to fifteen. Um, the way that they've rebounded here lately, the way they always play defense. I mean, if this if this team could just hit free throws, I mean, gosh, you you talk about something that's going to hold them back, something that's going to cost them in the tournament. My fear would be free throw shooting. Kenny Chandler's. I just, I have no clue what's up with him, man. That, that right there, I'm not trying to harp on Kennedy Chandler. No, no. That's going to hurt him this summer in the NBA process. It really will. But um, we'll see, man. They're they're fun to watch now. Um, They've always played hard. They've always played great defense. So it's always given them a chance to win. But they've gotten better shooting as as the uh, as the years gone on. So I could see him completely winning the whole thing in terms of the SEC tournament, making a deep run uh, next weekend and the ensuing weekends. Or I can see him, you know, not being able to shoot away from home and getting out in the second round. So who knows? March of Madness, right? March Madness. Yeah, because uh, that's one of those things is like the offense, offense in the tournament, you get a little tight. You know, defense travels, though. So hopefully that kind of works out for us. But, you know, defense has traveled also and we've lost some close games, you know. And, you know, with the Arkansas way, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know. Yeah, we played good defense, but couldn't shoot to save our lives. So I wanted to ask you, say, I asked the same thing Mr. Ryan Shumpert earlier. You got a $50 free bet, so this is kind of up to you. Here's the odds of winning the SEC tournament. Where are you going to put your money at? You can take you can take this as a value, or you can just, hey, win your couple hundred bucks or whatever. So we got Kentucky at plus 190. 
Auburn at plus 260, Tennessee at plus 330, Arkansas at plus 750, LSU at plus 1,000, Alabama at plus 1,500, and then Florida down, everybody's plus 4,000. Where would you put your money right now if you had a $50 free bet? Plus seven fifty with Arkansas, yeah. I mean, yeah, and and Tennessee was what plus three thirty, yeah. I, I would go, I would go one of those two for sure, and, and, and it's more because because of like what you said, it's value, right? I mean, yeah. Arkansas has beaten the big the rest of the big three in the SEC this year. Tennessee has beaten the rest of the big three in the SEC this year. Now, none of these games are at home. I get that. True, but anybody can beat anybody, and they're all going to play each other here on Saturday and Sunday. So, because of the value, um, you're giving me fifty bucks. Gosh, I'm probably laying at plus seven seven fifty or whatever on Arkansas. Oh, I'm sprinting there, right? Because sure, you got to go through Auburn. I get that. Then you got to go through either Tennessee or or, or uh, Kentucky. But I just I love that value. And again, that three thirty is not bad for Tennessee either. So one of those two teams, but probably I would say Arkansas right now, just strictly because I love that value and you're going to get the most back. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking too. And that's what Shum said. I mean, the big four, those teams are going to travel. Those, those mm-hmm. fans are going to travel well, I think, especially, I mean, Tampa, it's, you know, from Nashville or Knoxville, you know, you got a bunch, a bunch of Allegiant flights. It's going to be pretty easy to travel down there, I think. And uh, plus, it's going to be pretty nice down there. So it wouldn't be a bad, bad little mini vacay for somebody, oh, yeah. you know. If you want to take some time off, a little spring break action, it's not bad, dude. It's not bad. I'll be down there at the end of May, so I'm looking forward to Ooh, it. I, okay. I, I go down there frequently. I, I hop on that Allegiant and uh, yes. head on down to St. Pete Clearwater. That, that's my voyage. So not doing it this time, but... I bet it's a beautiful time of the year, and I'm with you. That it's a great little little mini vacation here this weekend. Yeah, man. Well, dude, I appreciate it. Just want to have you on today and uh, let the people know where they can follow you and like you and all that fun stuff. Real quick, man. I don't want to take over your show here. What do you think about Kelsey Pope? I like the hire. I, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's nice to have something within, and I know he interviewed with with Hypo before, and it just was nice something to bring in while you had him there and. I'll take that. I mean, like I know you mentioned it. I don't think it's this magnificent home run hire, but I do think it's good. Let's establish something. It seemed like the wide receivers were happy about it, so we'll take it. What do you think so far? Yeah, I talked to uh, I put a I put a story out there at VolQuest.com yesterday and talked to a couple of different prospects, and they they were they were pumped up. Um, they were excited. They think that he deserves it. They've been. He's been out there recruiting for quite some time now. He's just not been an on the field coach. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, he's he's young. I mean, this is this yeah. is easily his first big boy job. But I do think, like you said, it helps that he's been there. He's <laughs> seen the system working, and he's been working with these receivers for the past year on the practice field. Okay, so it's not like he's brand new. And I w- I would say he's had a hand in some of the successful stories here lately. So, at the end of the day, people are like. LOL at this hire. Couldn't Tennessee do better? My response is, it's a wide receiver position coach that opened up in March. Who cares, right? Who I mean, cares, yes. Yeah. And that that's devaluing it a little bit, and I'm not trying to do that. But uh, <laughs> no, I no. think it, it helps, too, that you have this system with Hypel and with Golish being there as well. So we'll see. I think it's awesome for Kelsey Pope for sure, and um, I think that uh, it could have been a whole lot worse, I guess is what I would say. So that's uh, kind of how I view it. But 
to the question you asked me, you can uh, you can find all my work uh, on Twitter. I post everything at underscore Kaner, um, host the Locked On Vols podcast. Subscribe on YouTube. Almost there to the to the goal there. Let's so go, baby. Subscriber. Road to 1,000. Yeah, <laughs> the run to 1,000 for sure, uh, but also available anywhere you get your podcasts. And so all my writing work there, it said underscore Kaner. Dude, I appreciate it, man. And uh, yeah, there's going to be – It's we'll go back to real quick to the Kelsey Pope thing. I mean – we're not going to have a big whole coaching list in March for a wide receiver coach, but yeah, hey. there's there's no former offensive coordinator is going to want to co- come and coach your wide receivers in March. So that's <laughs> that's my biggest thing. Trooper Taylor wasn't coming home, everybody. All right, no. like Taylor had a nice gig with Cut at Duke, was a holdover with the new staff. They've appointed him to assistant head coach. He's he's good, like he's good. So yeah. Um, I think I think it's fine, uh, but we'll see. He's got to be able to recruit, and uh, that'll uh, to coaching college. You got to recruit, so I guess we'll we'll find out soon. Yeah, youth recruits too. Hopefully, well, hopefully that carries over, man. Well, happy March Madness, my friend. I hope you have a great weekend, and uh, let's see how these Tennessee Vols do this weekend, bud. Absolutely, dude. All right, many time. Would love to come back on and uh, chop it up with you again. Oh. Great to be joined by those guys. As always, please like, subscribe, follow on Apple or Spotify or YouTube, of course. Links are going to be down below. All of their fun Twitters and links and websites are all going to be down there, too. Thank you so much, Tara Kane. Thank you so much to Ryan Shumper. You boys are awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. We all follow you. We all appreciate you. So, uh, Buddy, happy March Madness again, and uh, as always, welcome to Ball Hollow, baby. (laughs) 